You don't need to be a, a biomechanist, a biomechanist, biomechanist, whatever. You don't need to be an expert in running biomechanics. There we go. See how we can get around things around here. Episode 813 of Diz Runs Radio is a quick tip episode. Today's quick tip, not all running injuries are due to running. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, I want to take a second and thank Lisa, who is the most recent person to jump on board the old Patreon train over at patreon.com slash disruns and uh, support the show financially each month. So sending a, a couple cups of coffee my way and uh, I really, really appreciate it. We've got a, a, a growing number of folks that are supporting the show via Patreon and, and I certainly appreciate that. And uh, if, if you're kind of on the fence, not sure, you know, whether whether you want to do it or not, hey, no worries. Just keep keep listening. And if eventually the spirit moves you, uh, certainly head on, feel free to head on over to patreon.com slash slash disruns. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash disruns. You can give a dollar, two, five, ten, whatever, whatever you feel like the show is worth. Um, whoo, sorry about that. But, uh, you know, w- w- you control it. Every month. So if you want to change the amount, you can. If you want to decide that I'm not worth anything anymore, hey, you can pull you can pull your support at that point. Uh, hopefully, we'll make it worth it for you between the book club, uh, some shout outs, a chance to uh, get some other stuff for, for free along the way as, as uh, you know, your, your contributions pile up. Uh, all that information is there. And obviously, if anybody has any questions, you can let me know. But uh, thank you to Lisa for uh, jumping on board and supporting the show. Really appreciate you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Patreon.com slash disruns if you would like to uh to join the party over there and uh it's starting to be a it's starting to be a pretty good party so thanks to everybody who is supporting the show in the past or and or currently supporting the show on patreon so uh today talking about something that maybe sounds a little bit convoluted maybe sounds a little bit uh kind of ridiculous at first but there's 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 something to this and hopefully i can uh you know find the right words not stumble over myself too much to to give you a little something to to chew on the next time you're, you're dealing with kind of one of the quote-unquote common running injuries. Hopefully, you'll never have to deal with that. Uh, hopefully, you know, clean bill of health from here on out. But uh, the, according to the odds, we're all going to deal with various running issues at some point if we keep running long enough. And, you know, there's there's no shortage of injuries. There's the different itises. There's plantar fasciitis. There's tendonitis. There's bursitis. Um you know, at various points in, in your, you know, Achilles, your calf, uh, around the knee, hamstring, quad. Um, there, there's all kinds of different things that can happen there. Uh, there's, there's IT band issues. There's stress fractures. There's runner's knee. There's muscle strains. There's shin splints. There's, there's a whole calamity list of things that, you know, aren't terribly uncommon for runners to have to deal with from time to time. And most of the time, even even for myself, whether it's an, you know I'm dealing with a niggle or whether it's one of the, the athletes that I coach is dealing with something, most of the time we we get laser focused and looking at what's going on with our runs. You know, was was it a certain workout? Is our form off? Do we need new shoes? Um, you know, are are we something related to running? Did we not warm up? Did we did we do too much? Uh, are we in a fatigue state? Uh, you know, whatever. Too too hard. Not running easy enough. There's there's all these different factors that can and often do relate to various injuries. And in most most cases, again, I'm guilty of this. I'm as guilty of this as, as anybody. When there's an issue, when there's a niggle, when there's an injury, we get laser focused on what was the running cause. And, you know, to a, to a large extent, I don't know what the, the extent happens to be, but to, to a certain point, that tends to, to uncover the, the mystery, 
That's that, that tends to reveal itself, you know, is, is it is a form issue or it is a shoe issue or it is a, a recovery issue, tightness, whatever. Something related to our running that we haven't been addressing. We've been ignoring the little things, whatever the case might be. But not all the time. Not all the time. And in fact, I would, I would wager an estimate that a decent percentage of time, and I don't, I mean, I could pull out a number out of the tuchus and, and, and give it to you. I don't, I don't, there's no reason to do that. Um, but I would say it's more than a couple percent. I don't know, maybe 10, 20%, 25% of the time, maybe something like that. Um, there's probably something that's going on in our lives outside of our running that may or may not have directly caused it. Although there's a decent chance that, that, that is the case, but it's certainly something that, that happens in our daily life that is contributing to our running injury or our running issue. And while that may sound a little bit ridiculous on the surface, if you stop and think about it, for the most part, most of us are probably running on average, maybe an hour a day, something like that. Maybe we have our long runs or get two or three hours on the weekend, but the rest of the week outside of that long run, you know, we got what, three, four, five days a week that we run maybe 30 to 30 minutes to an hour for the most part, you know, there's, there's a little bit of variance there, but, but that's, I would say paint with a broad enough brush. That's, that's a pretty general guideline. So if we say that on average, we run seven hours a week, again, I know there's going to be people outside of that extreme, but, or outside of that, that wavelength, but bear with me here. Say we run for an hour, an hour each day per week or seven hours per week total. That leaves 23 hours a day or whatever that math turns out to be. Um, what is it? 168 hours in a week. So 161 hours of the 168 that we're not running. And depending on what we're doing with that additional 23 hours a day that we're not running, we could be doing some things probably, hopefully without realizing it that are contributing to our running issues and, or directly causing our running issues. Sounds a little ridiculous, but hopefully a couple of examples will maybe help uh, clue you in. And, and you know, these are I'm giving you I'm giving you three examples today that I would say are probably the most common. I don't have any um, data to back that up, but you know, just anecdotally, I think these are probably three of the the simplest, most common, hopefully most easily correctable things that we may be doing. We probably are doing outside of our running that may contribute some percentage or even all to the various running niggles that you're either experiencing now, have experienced in the past, and or may experience in the future. So let's let's dive in, maybe give you a couple of, of things to at least plant in the back of your head, maybe hopefully plant in the front of your head and start to implement now, even if you're healthy now, hopefully you're healthy now, maybe try to, to address some of these issues now so that hopefully that that helps you to avoid an injury, a niggle, a running injury down the road. So like I said, if it's not making any sense to you yet, a couple of these examples will hopefully help. So first and foremost, one of the things that is um, that, that I shudder on a regu- re- fairly regular basis, um, just to even think about the idea of wearing high heels. At first glance, this might mean this might might seem like I'm targeting the ladies, but fellas, we are guilty of this too. At least most of us are. My my office dress code allows for me to be barefoot or in flip flops 
365 days a year, at least however many days I'm, I'm at the office each year. So I, I, I can proudly say that this is not an issue for me, but uh, depending on on what you do professionally, where you work, um, you know, ladies with with the high heels at at various you know professional settings types of things, um, or just because you like wearing heels and and you know so you're wearing them outside of the work hours as well, uh, fellas with the with the dress shoes with the with the heel on on the back end, maybe work boots that have a heel to them as well, uh, and there's you know no shortage of other options. I mean, shoot, even look, looking at various running shoes that have a, a pretty significant heel to toe drop. Anytime where your heel is elevated above the ball of your foot, what you, what is happening from a physiological perspective, or at least just, you know, simply what is happening to your body is that you, the muscles of your calf, of which there's a couple of them, but let's just call them your, your calf and your Achilles tendon are both in a relaxed state. They're in a shortened position. When you, when you point your toe and your calf contracts and it pulls on your Achilles tendon, which helps to point your toe that muscle is shrinking in size. Okay. And, and by definition, so is the, the tendon it's contracting. Now, when you wear high heels, no matter how high the heel is, obviously the higher it is, the more substantial, but anytime you're wearing a heel, anytime you're in a situation where your heel is elevated in comparison to your forefoot. So anytime you're in any type of shoe, that's, that's more than zero drop, you know, from, from, a, a low millimeter uh, running shoe to a you know six or eight inch stiletto heel. That I, I, ladies, I don't know how you wear that, but that's another discussion for another day. Anytime you're in that position, your calf is shortened. Your calf is is contracted, constricted. It may not be a forceful muscular constriction because the the shoe is doing the work, but your calf and your Achilles are in a shortened position. Now our our bodies are very resilient. Our muscles as well. Our muscles and tendons, they have elastic properties. So they can stretch and flex and, and no big deal. That's, that's kind of how they're designed. That's kind of how they work. But if you're in high heels or work boots or anything that puts your foot in that, you know, it puts your heel in that slightly to not so slightly elevated position for eight, 10 hours a day, so you're wearing them to the work, you, you know, uh, eight, 10 hours a day, five days a week, maybe more than that. Plus anytime, you know, plus your dress shoes when you go out on the weekends or when you're going to church or when you're going out in the town, what, you know, in some cases we're talking multiple, multiple, you know, double digit hours a day, possibly 60, 70 hours a week that your foot might be in that position over time, not in one week, not in two, but in a year, two years, a decade. It's naive to think that that's not going to change how your muscle and how your tendon are in when they're in, their, uh, in a relaxed position, meaning they may shrink a little bit. They may constrict, contract a little bit. And even if it's just a fraction of a, of, of a millimeter or whatever, that can be substantial because when we're running, we're, we're causing a stretch effect on our calf, on our Achilles tendon. Okay. That's just, that's just the, the physiology, physiology of the situation, how we propel ourselves forward. There's a loading and a spring like action through your calf and your Achilles. If that band, if that rubber band type of, you know, think of your, your muscle and your tendon as, as one giant rubber band. If that rubber band is smaller, has shrunken, 
But when you're running, you're still applying the same. It, it still needs to go the same distance, right? It still needs to cover the same the same amount of of, of length from your calf all the way down underneath your heel to the bottom of your foot. But it's a, it's a smaller band. It's going to put more tension on it. You're going to put more stress and strain on it every time you run. So you could, you know, in that type of situation, just a few injuries that would be pretty common to develop would be plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendonitis, Achilles bursitis, a calf muscle strain. This is a couple. There's there's a, there's a handful of other ones, but let's let's just go with those as being maybe the most common issues related to tight calves. Now, not for nothing, and maybe I should have led with this. I don't know, but most of us runners. We're tight in the calf anyway, because of what I just said, because of that spring-like force, that eccentric load that we put on our calves with every step we take when we're running or walking, but certainly when we're running. Now we're shortening that muscle. We're shortening that tendon even more because we wear heels 50 hours a week. We're asking for a problem. We're asking for a problem. So, you know, the moral of the story is you get out there and, and you develop plantar fasciitis. You develop a case of Achilles bursitis. And you're like, damn, I, maybe I need some new shoes or maybe I need to, to, you know, run fewer miles. I need to, need to reduce the number of miles I, I, I run. Maybe you need to wear flats more often if possible. You know, maybe that would be the cause of the problem. Then you'd get a little bit of that stretch, a little bit more of a stretch in your calf and in your Achilles every day when you're walking around, which is going to help lengthen it out, which is going to help take the pressure off of your, your calf, off your Achilles tendon, off of the, the bottom of your foot, off your plantar fascia. And, and maybe, just maybe, reduce or eliminate those issues that seem to keep cropping up. So if, you're, if you wear heels on a regular basis, and again, this isn't just the ladies in the, in, the, in the high, high heels. Fellas, we're guilty too. Dress shoes, work boots, cowboy boots, we're guilty. If it's possible, or as much as you're able, wear the lowest drop shoe possible. Wear, wear a zero drop. Wear a flip-flop. Wear a flat. Or if you can lower down the heel, you know, maybe that's maybe that has to be the option. Maybe you have a certain dress code you have to follow at work, but if we can go with a, a short heel instead of a long heel, it's going to help the situation. It's going to help the situation. So one of the, the most common non-running causes of running-related injuries, wearing high heels. Number two, another, another area where, again, a lot of us, and, and I... Unlike the first one where I can pretty confidently say that I don't have an issue with wearing heels, I do have an issue with this one. Number two on the list, sitting too often. Sitting too often. I, I read an article a while back. I can't remember if it was in Runner's World or where it was, but it was in, in a magazine um, that talked about sitting being the new smoking. That's a bit of a bold claim, but sitting's bad for us, y'all. Sitting is bad for our health on a variety of fronts. And I'm not going to dive into it. I got a link in the show notes for the, the, the article. If you want to go back and check it out, uh, disruns.com slash five, one, three for the, the show notes today. Um, but you know, it talks about how it's bad for our, our heart and, and a whole host of, of options or a whole host of, of ways. I'm focused on it basically from the running perspective today, where kind of like how the heels shorten our calves and our Achilles tendons sitting too often, sitting too much, dramatically, shortens slash tightens slash constricts whatever you want whatever word you want to put in there are hip flexors all right hip flexors what are, what are your hip flexors you, you something that we've probably all heard of about before because hip flexor tightness is an issue with runners um and again running the running motion 
is going to cause the hip flexor to tighten itself up. So that's why we focus on it. But again, we're running six, seven hours a week. How much are we sitting each week? Think about how much you sit on a, on a, on an average day. Obviously everybody's situation can be a little bit different, but let's say, you know, you're commuting to work 45 minutes each way. So there's an hour and a half. You're sitting in the car. Then you're at work for what? Eight, nine, 10 hours a day, depending on what you do. Maybe you're at a cubicle at a desk for pretty much that entire eight, nine, 10 hours. Then you, then you drive back home. We already factored that in, but we're, we're already now at 10, 11 hours a day. Then you come home, you sit down at the table to have dinner with the family. Emphasis on sit down at the table to have dinner with the family. Once dinner's over, you put the kids to bed. You, you maybe you, you do a little stuff around the house. You do the dishes, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Then you go sit down on the couch, sit down on a chair, watch some TV. Maybe you're, maybe you're reading a blog post right now. Maybe you're listening to a podcast, playing angry birds, whatever it is you're doing after a long day at work and commute dinner with the family, put the kids to bed. You sit down on the couch, sit down on the, the recliner on the lazy boy to relax. Depending on how long you're, you're there before you head, head to bed, we're at what now? Pretty much out of a 16-hour day, you, you ran for an hour and you've been sitting for 13 or 14 of the, uh, of the remaining 15 to 16 hours of the day? That's a lot of sitting and it's not uncommon. And, and we don't think about it, but again, just like with the shoes, you're sitting that much, guess what happens to your hip flexors? which is the muscle that helps to like, if you're thinking about marching, the, the muscle that's kind of right in the hip crease helps to, to raise your knee up straight up in front of you. That's your hip flexor. It's a small muscle kind of goes just over your pelvic bones from your, from your core down into the, the upper part of your thigh. But those muscles starting to get tight, starting to get tight. Cause they're in that tightened position. And then, like I said, we go running where we're running. Every time we swing our leg forward, the hip flexor is contracting. So it's, it's shortening there. And then we sit down, shorten there. And then if you sleep on your side, like I do, and you kind of pull your, your knees up a little bit. So I'm not, I'm not sleeping ramrod straight. I'm kind of, you know, got my, got my knees bent, maybe not all the way to 90 degrees, but maybe to, to 45 degrees at the, at the, at the angle of the, the hip. So my, my hip flexors are in a shortened position there too. Now we're talking 22, 23 hours a day that my hip flexors are in a shortened position. Maybe the same for you. Yeah, tight hip flexors can cause problems from sitting too much and from other other parts of our life as well, sleeping on the side, all right? But a tight, tight hip flexors, one of the things that that can do is it can literally rotate your pelvis. It can angle your pelvis from being in its normal position, rotate it forward a little bit so that the top of your pelvis is, is rotated forward. And what that does then is obviously it changes how your legs are able to move through their standard range of motion because your, your hip bones are, are sitting a little bit differently. So then how your, your, your femur, your thigh bone, how it's able to move in the hip socket, that's impacted. It also puts stress and strain on all the muscles running down your back or down your back, the back of your legs, I guess. So your hamstrings, your calves, your glutes, they're all at a, at a, at a bit of a stretch or at a, at a bit of a tension point because that hips, those hips rotating forward, pulls the hamstrings up, pulls the calves up. And if you, you know, if you combine this with wearing the high heels, now you're even more tension and stress on your calves and on your Achilles tendons. But if we're looking just at the, the tight hip flexors, that can cause your form to be, to be altered, which you don't need to be a genius to, to, or at least I don't say 
let me take that back. I don't mean you don't need to be a genius. I don't mean you don't need to be an exercise physiologist. You don't need to be a, a biomechanist, a biomechanist, biomechanist, whatever. You don't need to be an expert in running biomechanics. There we go. See how we can get around things around here. Um, to understand that if your form is off, now it's putting stress and strain on different parts of your body. Now you're more likely to develop a shin splint, a stress fracture, various other itises, as far as, you know, different bursitis, tendonitis, uh, IT band issues, runner's knee issues, obviously muscle strains and, and pulls and things of that nature as well. Too much sitting pulls our hips out forward, rotates them forward and can definitely cause problems, definitely cause problems. So how do we combat that? Obviously you can't necessarily just stand up when you're in the car. All right, you're commuting back and forth to work. You're, you're sitting in the car line, picking up the kids from school. You're running errands on the weekend, whatever the case might be. You know, when you're in the car, you're, you, you, you got to sit. All right, let's, that, that, one, that one is what it is. But how can you stand more throughout the day? And to be clear, you don't have to stand for hours on end to get benefit. What we want to do is not sit for hours on end. So if, if you've got a, you know, if you've got a, a, a job where you're sitting at the desk for, for six, seven, eight hours a day, how can you break it up so that every hour or so you're getting up for five minutes? You know, I've talked about this before, but it's, it bears repeating and it bears, you know, if, if maybe it's the first time you're hearing this, maybe you've heard it a few times, but it's, it's a good reminder. What can you do to make sure you're standing up more throughout the day? You can drink more water. We all know drinking more water is good for us anyway, but how does that make you stand up more? Well, what goes in has to come out. So if you're drinking more water, you got to get up and go to the bathroom more frequently while you're up. Or maybe when, when you don't have to go to the bathroom, but your water bottle's empty, go fill it back up, get to an, an end point of work for two minutes, get up, go fill your water bottle, come back, sit back down, drink a little bit. Oh shoot. Now I got to go pee, get up, go to the bathroom. If you're taking phone calls, can you get up and stand at your desk while you're talking on the phone? One of the things I do when I'm recording the podcast, 99.9% of the time you hear my voice in your ears on the podcast, I'm standing up, I'm standing up right now. I could be sitting down, but why? I've been sitting down most of the morning. I've been sitting down while I was writing the blog post, sitting down while I was, I was doing other things throughout the day. So standing up now, standing up while I'm talking. So find little ways that you can stand up, get up from your desk, get up and move for, for five minutes every 60 to 90 minutes will help to just keep those, those hip flexors from being in that tightened, shortened position for 20 hours a day, which will do wonders for you, do wonders for you. So sitting too much, definitely a problem. How can we stand up a little bit more throughout the day? Be creative, but I guarantee all of us, all of myself, 100% included, all of us can improve or can cut down on the amount that we sit down on a daily basis. Last but not least in, the, in, the, in my list for today, this will be a quick one. It's maybe the sneakiest one of the, of the issues I'm talking about today. And again, this, this list of three is not exclusive. These aren't the only ways or only things that we might do on a daily basis that, that lead to or prolong or cause various running injuries that are, have nothing to do per se with our running or uh, you know, the running injuries or the, the way that the injuries show up is during our running, but it's you know, at least tangentially related to things we're doing in the, in the rest of our life. These are just some of the common ones. Being one-sided is an issue. Let me unpack this one a little bit because it's like I said, it's a sneaky one and it may not stand out to you quite as quickly as something like wearing high heels or sitting 
at the desk and, and in, in the rest of our life way too much. Our bodies, we think of them as very symmetrical. And on, at the, on the, the big scope of things, they are fairly symmetrical. You know, you've got an arm on each side, a leg on each side. They're both roughly the same length. They're both roughly the same, you know, strength and, and, and ability levels. But you know as well as I know that all of us have, you know, are one side dominant. Or at least 99% of us are one side dominant. You know, you're, you're a little bit stronger one hand or the other or one leg or the other. If anybody, if any of you have ever done any balance type of stuff, whether it's yoga, just working on your balance stability, things like that, you probably have noticed that one side you can pretty much balance on all day. The other side, whoo, a little bit more of a struggle. Okay. We all have our dominant side. We all have our slightly weaker side. And as long as they're close, as long as they're fairly even, no big deal. But what happens a lot in, in day-to-day life and more so than I think about, certainly, probably more so than you think about as well, is we favor one side over the other. So, ladies, hate to, to single you out on this one, but I think for the most part, I mean, there's, there's a few MERS carriers among us. I might be one of them as well, as you know, the man purse. But for the most part, ladies, y'all carry purses, right? Or some type of bag. Diaper bag. I, I was guilty of that, you know, when, when Addison was in the diapers. Um, we always tend to throw those, those items over the same shoulder, right? I would imagine that most of y'all that carry a purse or most of the fellows that carry a purse, it's always over the same shoulder. If you put it on the other side, it just feels weird. Well, what do you think it does to your body to, to carry your purse on just say your right shoulder every single day? Those of, those of you that have, you know, babies in your life right now, I know when Addison was little, I carried her on, I can't, I think it was my, my left side, probably 85, 90% of the time I carried her with my left arm, not because my left arm was stronger, but because I was more right-handed dominant. So I would use it with the right hand to open the car doors or, or push, you know, push the, the grocery cart, whatever I needed to do. I, I tended to use my right arm for that. So I was holding her in my left arm. If you carry a baby on a regular basis, you know, the moms, the dads in the group, you know, that you probably tend to carry your baby on one side or the other more often than not. And when you do that, usually means you're throwing your hip, the other hip out to the other side to kind of help counterbalance things a little bit. So you got the baby on the left, on the left arm, your right hips flared out a little bit. What do you think that does to your, to your posture? What do you think that does to your spine? It may not, you know, you may not develop some long-term scoliosis, but if you don't think that there's a little bit of curvature that goes on because of that, think again, think again, fellas, I, I know, I, uh, I hate to say I know, because there's always an exception, right? But I would I would wager that the vast majority of us, you carry your wallet in the same pocket every day. You know, if you if you if you put your wallet in one of your back pockets, don't I don't think there's too many guys that uh, kind of rotate. You know, oh, today I'm going to put my wallet in my left side, my left pocket. And tomorrow it'll be back in the right. I've I've gotten better at, at doing this as far as not keeping my wallet in my back pocket all the time. But there was a time in my life. When, uh, you know, I didn't go anywhere. Like my wallet was always in my right pocket. Well, what do you think that does when you sit down? It's always in the right side. So you've always got your hips a little bit uneven because you got the wallet pressing you up or you're, you're, you're positioning yourself differently to take pressure off of the wallet, digging into your hip, sit on your wallet too much also can, can lead to sciatica, you know, it, it's pressing on that nerve. So there's, there's all these different things that we might do 
one side versus the other. You're carrying a bag of groceries. Going to probably usually carry it in, in the same the same hand, right? Carrying your briefcase. Always you got the briefcase on one side. Again, it just feels awkward to, to switch it to the other side. You're like your, your body doesn't know how to handle it. But think of how that one-sidedness that we have or the, the, the activities that, that we can do with one side of our body or the other, how that throws that, that already asymmetrical shape of our body, asymmetrical strength of, of the different sides of our bodies, how that exacerbates the difference. More often than not, we're not favoring our weak side that helps to balance out the, the other. More often than not, we're, we're going with our stronger side more, which is going to strengthen that side more. And it makes that, that difference between our, our dominant and our non-dominant greater. And again, just like with the hip flexors getting tight and rotating our hips, now we're talking about lateral rotation of the hips, maybe. We're talking about lateral rotation or, or some type of curvature of the spine. Um, we're talking one side getting way stronger than the other. All of those things can lead to form issues, can, can create kind of some weak links, some, some chinks in the armor, if you will. And guess where the injuries come? They don't come to the strong parts. They come to the weak links. You know, the chain's only as strong as its weakest link. Well, our, our bodies are kind of like a chain in that sense. And that wherever the weak spot is, that's where the injury is most likely to occur. And by, by being one-sided in various parts of our lives, we're making the weak, the weak link weaker and the strong link stronger. And then the weak link eventually breaks. So... How do you try to address that? I mean, you kind of got to be mindful. You, you, you try to counterbalance things a little bit. You know, one thing I've done with the wallet is I don't carry my wallet very much anymore. When I get in the car, it goes into the the the, the little uh, pocket on the side on the side of the door. You know, when I get out of the car, I grab my wallet, but I'm not sitting on it all day every day anymore. You know, maybe it's it's trying to be a little bit more mindful with your purse and switching switching shoulders. Maybe it's getting a backpack instead of a messenger bag so that you're you're putting it on both shoulders, kind of trying to keep things more balanced that way. It's tricky. This is a tricky one. It's a sneaky one. It's it's things that we don't think about very often. But that one sided nature definitely adds up. Definitely adds up. So can can you address that? Hopefully. Sometimes when it comes to strength training, the best way to do it is to do single arm, single leg exercises. So instead of doing regular squats, do one-legged squats. Even if you've got to use some type of thing for as, uh, for assistance or for balance, that's okay. You're going to notice that one side is much stronger than the other. Almost guarantee it when it comes to single-leg squats. We'll work on that weak side. You know, Help get that weak side even up to the strongest side. Doing lunges. You'll find that one, one leg, at least I find, one leg I feel like I can lunge and I'm, I'm stable as can be. The other one, it, there's a little bit more of a wobble. All right, it's because of strength. It's because of balance. Because of proprioception differences between one leg and the other. All right, so we just got to work on it. We got to be cognizant of it, and that's that's hopefully the goal of this this episode today is make you cognizant of, of a bunch of things, but certainly this one, that side, that tendency to dominate one side or the other. It's natural. You're never going to completely eliminate it, but if we can try to counterbalance it and help to to minimize the risk of various different injuries and issues that may crop up, that again, it's easy to look at them and go, oh, this is a running thing because it only flares up when you're running. But the cause isn't new shoes or the, the solution. I'm sorry. The solution isn't new shoes. It isn't necessarily a form tweak. It isn't uh, a different coach or different types of workouts. It's looking outside of your running and balancing things out. It's looking outside of your running and putting the high heels in the closet, retiring the high heels and switching to flats or at least the lowest heel you can get away with. It's standing more at work 
and at home. Obviously, there's times when standing is not appropriate, but it, but when it, when you can get away with it, mix it in. Mix it in as much as you can. So, like I said at the beginning, injuries are one of those things that happen, regrettably. I wish I could snap my fingers and say that, that you'll do, do X, Y, and Z and you'll never be injured. It doesn't work that way. But just because something flares up when you're running doesn't mean that it's entirely a running-related issue. It doesn't mean that it's at all a running-related issue. It's just that running puts more stress and strain on your body. So again, that's going to flare up. The, the, that's going to make the weak links snap. But the next time you're dealing with an injury, dealing with an issue, look at what you're doing from a running perspective and see if there's any red flags. But if you're going, God, I don't, I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. I don't feel like I've, I've changed anything. I'm not doing anything different. Zoom out and look at what you're doing when you're not running and see if there's not something you can maybe tweak, adjust, improve there that might be a key contributor to that injury that you're dealing with, that, that niggle that you're dealing with every time you go running. So hope all that makes sense. If it does, let me know. And if it doesn't, also let me know. Uh, let me know what questions you have, what what uh, what what I wasn't clear about, uh, or if it was helpful, let me know that as well. At Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram. You can always slide into the DMs and let me know there or tag me in a post. Appreciate that as well. You can also shoot an email, Dizruns at gmail.com. And again, you can head over to the show notes today. Dizruns.com slash 813 is the link to get you back to the show notes today. We got memes, we got GIFs, we got links, we got all the things there. We also got the comment bar or comment box or comment section, whatever you want to call it no matter how you spin it, it's a place where you can leave a comment. So you can leave your comments down there and let me know what I got right, what I got wrong, what wasn't clear, or just, you know, troll me. That's cool too. Or, you know, as long as it's in, in good nature, as long as it's in good taste, we can take that. Um, Dizruns.com slash 813 is the link to take you back to the show notes. Uh, thanks again to Lisa for jumping on board the Patreon Express. Patreon.com slash Dizruns. If you want to join the party, join the book club, start adding some credits, building up some credits, building up your bank to get free swag, free coaching, uh, free who knows what else is coming down the pipe. But we're going to keep adding things to the list uh, as we go. Um, but uh, thank you to Lisa. Thanks to everybody else who supports the show via Patreon. Patreon.com slash Dizruns. And with that, the, uh, the, new, the new and improved... Not so quick tip is drawn to it, drawn to a close. If you like this one, uh, go ahead and, and tell a friend, share it with somebody, share it on social media. That that always helps move the needle and certainly always appreciated. And until next time, y'all, please be well. Please take good care. Thank you again for listening, and we'll talk soon. All right, see you. <laughs>